Amen. Thank you, Dave and worship team, for that wonderful worship time. And uh, to say that I am overwhelmed by your love would be an understatement. I mean, you have just been great today. Thank you for each and every prayer that was prayed for us. And uh, please continue to do that. I mean, we covet uh, your prayers. I believe that uh, uh, in order for God to do great things and use us in great ways, then we must uh, be totally and completely dependent upon him. And uh, one of the ways that we show our dependence upon God is going before him in prayer. And so uh, we're going to be praying for you. And we plead with you to be praying for us, continue to do that. Uh, I'm excited about the message today. We've been looking in 1 Thessalonians, and we've been talking about this idea of while we're waiting. Now, while we're waiting, we're not just waiting, right? Uh, We talked about the fact that while we're waiting, there was resolutions. As a church family that we will make... While we're waiting, and then we talked about the fact that while we're waiting, we would be the model servant. So while we're waiting, we're not just waiting. We're waiting in anticipation. I like to say this, we look back with appreciation, we look up with adoration, and we look ahead with expectation. We're expecting God to do great things through Hazelwood Baptist Church. We look to God with great expectation because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us. And so we're waiting, but we're not just waiting. And so today we're going to talk about the fact that we are watching while we're waiting. And we're going to use one of my most favorite Uh, Bible verse. I've used it so many times it never grows old. Uh, Often we use it at a funeral, but we're not preaching a funeral today, okay? Uh, We find within this text encouragement. Encouragement to help us to watch while we're waiting. So look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, and we will read through verse 18, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13 through verse 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so, or thus in some translations, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the comfort that we do find in your word. But Lord, we also praise you 
And thank you for the challenges that we find in your word. How you're always calling us up, that you're always calling us out to be more, to be our utmost for your highest and for your glory. And Lord, we pray that today as we share from this text that you would just speak through us. And Lord, again and again and again, we confess our dependence upon you. For Lord, we realize that if any good thing is to come from this service today, that it'll come from your hands. So we pray for your enabling. We pray for your spirit and your strength, and we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, not too long ago, I shared with you about my Aunt Frances and how I knew that she was a godly woman. And I talked to you about how I ran over there and pulled on the door and I didn't see her anywhere. And that I thought that the Lord had come and had forgotten me. Now, you remember that? And, and so uh, the fear that comes with that and, and partly what's happening here in First Thessalonians chapter 4 is the believers there in Thessalonica... They had trusted Jesus, they were waiting on Jesus, but they had loved ones that had went on by death, and they were curious as to what happened to those who had died before the return of Christ. And thank God, they asked about that, and thank God that Paul shared uh, with us about what happens after we die, and, and what happens to those that have trusted in Christ and died before his return? Because we have this wonderful text to glean from today and understand the events that are going to come to pass during the first phase of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a couple of things that I want us to look at here as we think about this. Uh, first, Paul begins by saying that he doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning those which sleep. Now, that was just a traditional way of, of saying that he wanted them to understand what becomes of those that die. Now, he does qualify. He does qualify the fact that, that with the dead in Christ, those that have died in Christ, those that sleep in Christ. Now, when he talks about those that sleep in Christ, he's not talking about soul sleep, okay? Some people believe that we fall asleep at death and we don't wake up until the coming of Christ. When he talks about sleeping, he's talking about a body that sleeps. And we'll look more at this later, but the body goes to sleep, but the soul goes to be with the Lord immediately, amen? And so I want you to understand that, and we'll talk more about that later. But he also wants them to understand so that they don't grieve as others who have no hope. Let me just say, there is a difference between the death of a believer and the death of an unbeliever. Uh, a lot of times we think of death, well, they're no longer in their pain or in their suffering. And, and in our world today, we think that all a person has to do to go to heaven is die. But the Bible teaches that there's more too. Death is a door that we enter into eternal life through for the believer, but every person that dies does not go to heaven. A lot of times we think about that at death, uh, people are suffering no more, but I want to tell you that's true for the believer, but it's not true for the unbeliever. Uh, the worst, most horrific disease in the world is better than the death of an unbeliever. And so there's more to this, you understand. 
And so he's telling us that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. There's a difference in the death of a believer and an unbeliever. And in order to secure and comfort the believers at Thessalonica, Paul gives them four events to watch for to signal the first stage of the second coming of Christ. I want us to look at those together this morning, okay? Four events. Here's the first event is the return of the believing dead with Christ. Look in verse 14 with me again, if you will. I don't know if the wind caught my Bible or what, but I'm over in Colossians. All right. Verse uh, 14, look at what it says here. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, scholars believe that that Paul is quoting an early catechism of the church and elaborates on it in the following uh, verses. And in verse 14, he, he begins with this if, but the if that begins this verse is not an if of doubt, but rather it means since, since we believe. And Paul lays down two parallel concrete truths here. And he says, since we believe or we know and believe that Jesus died and rose again, we can know and believe that when Jesus returns, he will bring them with him. And so he lays down those two parallel truths. Now, it's interesting. He says that that when Jesus returns, he's going to bring those that are asleep in him, with him, at his return. I want you to look in the little epistle of Jude. It's the, it's the last book you get to before you get to the book of Revelation. So it's the next to the last book of the Bible. There's only one chapter there. And in verse 14, I want to draw your attention to that verse. And it says this, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now, what is he saying? That idea of ten thousands means an innumerable host of people are coming with him, okay? That's a great group of people. This great body of people are coming with the Lord Jesus at his return. Now, let's make some clear assumptions from this, okay? If believing saints will return with Jesus, then they must be with Jesus. Amen? Now, there's a lot of crazy ideas out there about death. One I've already mentioned is uh, soul sleep, that we sleep to wake no more until Jesus comes. There's this idea out there that that we go to a waiting place of purgatory and we burn off the remaining residual sins that we carry with us into death. And when we paid the price, then we go to be with the Lord. But, but here he says that when the Lord Jesus comes, that we, those of us that have died, we will come with him. Well, how can we come with him unless we are with him Already, And so that matches up well with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, doesn't it? When it says to be absent from the body as to what? You've heard that one before, haven't you? Huh? And so the assumption is if we're coming with him, then we must be 
with him. So if believing saints are presently with Jesus and are coming with Jesus, they haven't missed a thing. They haven't missed a thing. And they won't miss a thing. So the first event that we see on the first phase of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is the return of the believing dead with Christ. Now, here's the second event. The resurrection of the believing dead. There's a return. And then there's a resurrection. Look in verse 15 and 16 with me, if you will. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now don't miss something about this. I want you to notice that Paul's not speaking of his own authority. Which let me just say when it made it to the book. It means it's the inspired word of God regardless of who spoke it. But he's, he's saying this is so important that I want you to know that this is the word of the Lord. The Lord himself has said this and he's speaking of Christ Jesus' own authority. Now either this is gleaned from Jesus' teaching or, or Jesus taught Paul this when he appeared to him or one of the apostles handed it down to Paul from Christ. But this is the word of of the Lord. And what is that word? The dead in Christ will rise first. Heard a story about uh, a Texan. Anybody here from Texas originally? Oh, hey. I've never met anybody from Texas that wasn't proud to be from Texas. I mean, I haven't. I, it's just a thing about it. Uh, in fact, if you see the truck, it's in my parking place. It's not my truck. I can't afford a new truck. But I borrowed it from somebody from Texas. I mean, that's, that's where he's originally from. If you go to his house, he's got uh, paintings from Texas. He, he showed me when I was there to go get the truck, a uh, Texas Longhorn painting in his house. And he was proud of it. It was a Texas artist that drew it and Texas artist signature on the bottom of it. Then he had this metal working at his front door. I'm from Texas. I mean, I've never met a person from Texas that wasn't proud to be from Texas. And I heard a story, this guy from Texas, he was in a bar. Don't, shouldn't be in a bar. First mistake. Okay. And he was bragging about Texas and he, this about Texas and that about Texas and this about Texas. And, and finally somebody said, would you shut up? about Texas and so he just kept on talking about Texas and the guy got tired of it so he finally just he laid him out cold as a wedge and if you don't understand that term talk to me about it later and I'll explain to you what that means okay and so after he had knocked him out they threw him in an open grave in the cemetery and so the Texan he slept there until the next morning and finally he he roused himself up and he peeked over the top of the grave and he said, praise the Lord. I always knew that Texans would rise first. <laughs> now, according to this scripture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, you may ask, you may ask, well, Pastor Louie, why, why would the dead in Christ have to rise if they are with Christ 
at his returning? Well, here's the answer. To participate fully in Christ's resurrection. Did they find Jesus' body? No. No, they didn't find Jesus' body because Jesus' body had been resurrected and glorified. In fact, in Corinthians, he says that Jesus is the first fruit of those who sleep. Can I tell you this morning, nobody, nobody has ever resurrected like Jesus. Now, there's been a lot of resurrections throughout Scripture. If we look in the Old Testament, we find Elisha was a mighty prophet of God. And I love this story. There's these bandits, and they kill this man. And they throw him into the sepulcher of Elisha, and he touches the bones of Elisha. In other words, Elisha's long dead. He touches the bone, and the guy resurrects. He comes back to life. He's resuscitated, but he died again. He died again. The Bible tells us the story of Elijah, the first mighty prophet of God that we read about in scriptures that performed all of these miracles and signs for God. One of those things that Elijah did was there was this widow uh, uh, or this lady and her husband. I was going to say widow, and I think in the first service I said this widow and her husband. That's weird, isn't it? Okay. So this lady and her husband, and they have a child, and the child dies. And Elijah comes in, and he prays over the child, lays himself over the child three different times. <gasps> And the breath comes back into the child and he's alive and his mother receives him, but he dies again. There's another story. I love it in in the New Testament where the widow of Nain, her only son dies. And the Bible gives this picture of they're walking and they're carrying the casket of this young man. And Jesus sees this procession and he moves with compassion. And in my eyes, now the Bible doesn't say this, this is Louis's version. He knocks on the top of the casket. (laughs) Rise. And the young man resurrects from the grave. He's resuscitated to life. But he dies eventually again. The greatest resurrection story in Scripture outside of the resurrection story of Jesus is the story of Lazarus. And we know the story. He's a friend of Jesus's, And Jesus waits three days before he goes to Lazarus. And Lazarus has been dead four days. And his sisters run and they say, if you'd only been here, our brother would have lived. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? He who believeth in me, though he be dead, yet he shall live and he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die show me the place where he is laid and he said Lord he's been dead four days he stinketh he said roll the stone away And they rolled the stone away and the Bible said with a loud voice Jesus goes Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, he comes forth and he is resurrected. He is resuscitated. He is back to life. Jesus eats with him and drinks with him. And people witness that. And they said, what kind of man is this that raises the dead back to life? But Lazarus eventually died 
again. Nobody, nobody has resurrected like Jesus resurrected. He, he, he was a resurrected glorified body so why does he bring why is there the need for this resurrection because there's going to be this reunion between this uh, resurrected regenerated glorified body and its spirit that Jesus brings with him when he comes we're going to fully participate in the resurrection of Jesus I'm going to get a glorified body and if the worms eat away at this flesh, as Job said, in my flesh, I shall stand on that day when the Lord comes and I shall see him face to face. I'm going to get a resurrected body to fully participate in the resurrection of Jesus. Right now, your believing loved ones exist in a spiritual body provided by God. On this day, we will all receive a glorified body like Jesus. In John chapter 3 verse 3 it says. It doth not yet appear what we shall be like. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. We're going to have a glorified body. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15. 22 through 24. For as in Adam. All die. Even so in Christ. All shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. You notice that? Each one. And then he gives the order. Christ, the first fruit. The first resurrection. The first fruit of this kind of resurrection. Christ at his resurrection. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. This very scripture right here. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power Christ those at his coming. He talks about those uh, that have went on before us or Christ those that went on before us and those after the millennial there's going to be. Uh, we're going to participate in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So the first event the return. The second event, the resurrection. The third event, the rapture of the believing church. Look with me in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This idea of, of those that are alive and remain shall be caught up. That word is harparzo, uh, which means snatched or carried away. We see this same word in Acts chapter 8. You remember the story of Philip when he goes and sees the eunuch? Philip goes and witnesses to the eunuch and he, he, uh, he comes to Christ and then he says, What hindereth me? Here's water. What hindereth me from being baptized? And they go down into the water and it says, They went down into the water and he went down into the water and he came up out of the water. And then it says that Philip was carried away by the Lord to Azotus. In other words, he was just taken away from that spot and taken to Azotus. The same exact word is being used. This word is, being, is used twice in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. And listen to this. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in body, I do not know, or whether out of body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up, harparzo, to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was harparzo, or caught up into paradise. And heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17, the Christian will be caught up. Uh, into the air to meet the Lord in the air. We're moving upward. My pastor, he was just an old country boy. I guess I'm just an old country boy too. He didn't have any seminary training. But here's what he used to say. And when I had the privilege of preaching his funeral, I repeated his words. He said, I have never flown on an aeroplane. But one day I'm going to fly on plain air. Now, what was he saying? He's saying one day when Jesus comes that he was going to be caught up into the air to meet the Lord in the air, and so would he ever be with the Lord. We have that to look forward to, that one day we're going to be taken out of this world into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way, We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Now, a twinkle of an eye is not a wink. It's even quicker than a wink that we're going to be changed. The old song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. How many of you are familiar with that song? The last stanza or verse of that song says this. Um, this robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. And shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. We don't all sleep, but we'll all be changed. We'll be transformed, given a glorified body and caught up into the air with the Lord. The believer will be raptured, glorified, and united with Christ. So there's the return, the resurrection, the rapture. But this is the best part. Oh, there's a reunion. There's a reunion. Look in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord there's going to be a reunion of all the saints a reunion of all the saints everyone is going up to meet the Lord in the air there'll be a reunion there'll be a reunion of the spirit and glorified body the dead will be reunited with their new glorified body there will be a reunion of the church with Christ. We will finally see him face to face, the one that saved us by his grace. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a glorious day that will be. There will be a reunion of the church with Christ. There will be a reunion of you and your believing loved ones. Man, what concern the Lord has for us 
that he brings them with him when he returns. Amen. Can you imagine? I, I can imagine right now that some of you have got a picture of someone in your mind right now that you're going to meet. It, it may be a child that you never had the joy of raising here on this earth. It, it may be a parent. I'm looking forward. My mother died in 2018. I'm going to see her on that day. It, it may be a friend. It may be a mentor. It may be a pastor. It may be someone that, that you worked with. But one day, you've got somebody in your mind right now that you're going to meet and be reunited with that day. Our faith will be united with sight. What a day. I was thinking about this this morning, in fact. There's going to be some surprises on that day. We're going to get there and they're going to be, wow. I didn't think you'd be here. <laughs> right? I don't know where you stand on deathbed confessions, but I believe this at the very instant, the very moment that someone trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, boom, they become a new creature in Christ. It doesn't take a millisecond, less than a millisecond, for that to happen. And I, there'll be some surprises on that day. You know a surprise I'm hoping to see? My dad. Never confess Christ in his life. Never confess Christ in his life. My grandmother said that when she came, my dad was dying. He said, somebody just walked by that window and pointed up, is what my grandmother said that he said. I don't know what happened with my dad in those final moments of his life on earth. But I'm hoping that on that day when Jesus comes and I meet him in the air, that I can say, wow, I didn't think you'd be here. What a day that will be. It's going to be a day of reunion. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a promise for believers. What a promise for believers. We have so much hope and so much to look forward to. We should just praise the Lord every day. The believer is watching and waiting for this day with eager expectation. But according to scripture, and I'm just kind of closing on this. According to scripture, this is the turning point in human history. It is. After this day, from this point forward, the world will see the worst times in all of human history, the Bible says. Now, that's overwhelming when I think about that because we have seen a whole lot of things in our time, right? Even in our short time, I was thinking about in the past 30 years, all the different kinds of terrorist attacks and school shootings and atrocities that we have witnessed. In fact, in our world, war, 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 war. I mean, there's only been 10% of human history where there was no kind of conflict or war. We have seen war all of our human history. And this says that on this day, after this day, that it'll be the worst time that has ever been experienced or ever will be experienced in human history. I can't imagine that. I was thinking about that and the things that we've seen, and we've had an estimated 13 million people were enslaved between uh, the 15th and 19th century. And in our world today, there's an estimated 40 million people that are oppressed and enslaved by other humans. I was thinking about that also in the context of sex trafficking. Can you imagine the atrocity of sex trafficking? 
Young girls being kidnapped in order to work in the sex industry. What a terrible atrocity against human rights. We've witnessed terror. We've witnessed school shootings, massacres, and murders. We are accustomed to violence in our world. And it's only going to get worse from this point forward. We have seen tsunamis. Earthquakes, volcanoes, tornadoes, cyclones, hurricanes, uh, heat waves, arctic blasts. We have seen everything that you can imagine when it comes to the weather. And it's only going to get worse from this day forward. The scripture says the worst that it's ever been or ever will be. But here's the good news. Believers, we don't have to worry about that. We can lay down and rest our head because we look up with expectations. We look ahead with expectation. We're not just waiting, but we're watching and we're waiting. And we have this assurance that the same Savior that said... Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That same God has us in the palm of his hands. And he is coming again. And we are safe and secure in him. We have nothing to fear. Amen? But we do have a lot to do. Because there's a world out there under the shadow of our steeple that does not know Jesus. And if the love of God lives in us, then we need to be sharing with them. We need to be spreading the gospel. We need to be sharing the gospel. With all that we come in contact with. We need to be watching and we need to be ready. But we need to be busy with the gospel. And so here's my encouragement to you this morning. You don't have a pastor right now. But the ministry doesn't stop. The timetable doesn't stop. The return of Jesus is not hindered at all. By the fact that Hazelwood does not. Have a pastor. The mission that God gave you has not taken a pause because you don't have a pastor right now. While you're waiting, you are watching. While you're waiting, you are working. While you're waiting, you are witnessing. And so my prayer for you today is this, that you make a resolution before God. During this time of invitation, you have to come and pray and lay your loved ones that don't know Christ on the altar. You come and do that. If you need to lay yourself on the altar and say, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but here I am. I am willing to be used by you. I encourage you to do that. Second encouragement. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know. He lived the life that you'll never be able to live, died the death that you deserve, and rose again that you might have eternal life. And it's available to you, but it's not automatic. You must trust Him. If you've never called on Him, 
as your Savior and Lord and ask him to forgive you of your sins and save you this morning, I want to ask you to come and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we give you this service. I know you're working in hearts. I pray that we would be responsive to you. That when you come, you would find a church that is ready, willing, and waiting on you. But Lord, I pray most of all that since you've went to such an extent that mankind may have eternal life and be forgiven of their sins, that there's no one in this building today that would turn it away. So I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here that has never called upon you as Lord, that after this prayer and during this song, that they would come and confess you as the Lord of their life, that they would not depend on the best five minutes of their life to get them to heaven, but that they would see the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So we give you this time in Jesus' name.